Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome to episode 37 of Three Point Podcast. I'm Ted Fatale of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 Radio. On the phone is Matt Burns of ESPN. Also on the phone, Jared Fatel of Fox 17 in Grand Rapids. Our sponsors this evening include the Corona Public Schools, Rivals Tap House and Grill, the Corona Connection, and our podcast, Recording Home, Z92.5 The Castle. We're also going to be checking in a little later with our crusty athletic supporter, Jack Strap. And uh, again, I want to say thanks to all the support and comments at our Twitter site. That's at 3 Pod. Subscribe on Apple iTunes. You can also find us on SoundCloud or TuneIn. Well, we got a lot to get into today, boys. Saturday night's MSU lost to ASU in the desert. Michigan's rebound win at the big house against Western. And the Lions' disastrous beginning of the Matt Patricia era at Ford Field on Monday night. It might be a short era. As you can tell, I sent some. I spent some time this weekend wrecking my voice with the Tigers celebration. We'll talk in a little bit later. But then last night yelling at my TV. What a debacle. Well, before we uh, go into the show, I would like to address something uh, on the podcast. Um, so I've been getting a lot of flack lately about my cell phone, uh, <laughs> just basically how I talk uh, since I've gone away to college. Huh? And to those criticisms, uh, <laughs> I'll say they're fair. Uh, I probably should have a landline by now. <laughs> I don't. Uh, most likely we'll have one next week, but also don't hold me to that. So this is just temporary for the time being. There's a studio being set up here. Overall, your criticisms are fair. <laughs> the sound quality's not great, but it's Matt does his best with the editing. It will be fixed. It's temporary. Well, it's nice to see somebody's listening to us out there. I was going to say, a few few people that I work with, uh, they, they tell me they, they listen, they're fans, and, and they, they gave me the same criticism or the same feedback, I guess. They said, tell that young kid to get a landline. <laughs> I said, man, he's, he's a millennial. He doesn't. Well, he didn't, might not even know what a landline is at this point. That's a fair point, right there. Who has landlines in their houses anymore? Yeah, luckily I'm able to be on one at work because otherwise I, we don't have a landline at home. Right, neither do I. Okay, wow. Even the Gen Xer doesn't have one. No, but I but I have pretty good access to go get one. I'll go to a phone booth for crying out loud. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I was going to say, just to start it off, I mean, the, the voice, the voice doesn't sound too good. So you did some yelling at the Copa, and then you got to got to yell at Matt Stafford and the Lions last night. Huh? Yeah, yeah, I think I think most of it blew out last night. I'm going to tell you guys, I've I've watched Lions football forever, and this that was like the worst start to a season, worst regular season game I can ever remember. I'm having very serious doubts about Matt Patricia. You know, I know I don't want to sound like I'm a bandwagon guy and and jumping off it immediately, but did you guys see anything at all to be inspired about for this upcoming season? I know, and I, I guess that that's one thing that I'm going to say just real quick, and, and it was maybe the most disappointing thing to me is the last few years that I've said before on this podcast, I'm a huge Matt Stafford fan. Still am. I'm not losing hope after last night's game. But like the last few years, when when they've had bad games, if the defense gave up 30, 40 points or something like that, the offense usually kept right up with them, and you know maybe put up 30 or 42 or kept them in the game. But the offense looked just as bad last night. And then you hear the reports of Jets players knew every play call that they were making. They were able to jump every route. So usually I could hang my hat on Matt Stafford and the offense, but we can't even do that after last night. Let's get the kids' viewpoint. No, yeah, you couldn't. It was, there was nothing good. But let me just say this before I get into my, uh, we got a, lion, a lot of lions stuff. But if anyone were to turn off this podcast because we don't have Ted's magical uh, play-by-play voice, <laughs> I wouldn't blame them. You don't, but I wouldn't blame them. But as far as lions go, I had a lot of notes on uh, this game. 
So what I noticed before the game even started with the Lions is that this Twitter and all the Lions fans in general, I mean, just look at the attendance in the game. We, we didn't even sell out. It was National Primetime Monday Night Game at Ford Field in, like, a just absolute popping time with Justin Verlander pitching for the Tigers and all that going on. They didn't even sell out the stadium. But you can see tweets like 365 days until next season, uh, get ready to watch like a 7-9 Lions game. This is before the season even started. And that's just my big takeaway was that I feel like Patricia and this whole team, they've been kind of doomed since, since Jump Street. How about that? And the Channing Tatum Jump Street, not the Johnny Depp Jump Street <laughs> that uh, Ted probably likes. Uh, yeah, whatever you say, Jared. All I know is you still sound like crap on that piece of junk phone. <laughs> Johnny Depp was in the first uh, 21 Jump Street with Johnny or with Shani Tatum, though. <laughs> hey, look, but, nice little but I'm trying to get where your point is, Jared. Are you saying that the people that are ripping on the Lions or Twitter are unfair? Are you saying they should have saw it coming? What's your point? I'm saying I think we all saw a little bit of uh, They're obviously fair. I mean, we got blitzed by the Jets. The goddamn Jets. <laughs> yeah. But I think we all saw it coming. Like, this team, just there's something been off. Ever since Patricia's been hired, there's been no good news coming out of Lions camp. Right. Yeah, and I've obviously, I know I've been, the whole time that, that preseason has started, I've been saying over and over, preseason doesn't mean anything, you know, let's just wait till the season starts. And I still do feel that way, that, like, preseason doesn't necessarily translate to uh, the regular season. But it's clear that maybe with this team it is because as bad as they looked in the preseason, nothing got any better in the regular season. And it really looked like, that, I mean, they were still stuck in like summer camp mode or something like that on offense because they just had nothing going. And, and to hear the Jets players say that they knew the hand signals, the audibles, the play calls that the Lions were calling, that to me, it just makes me wonder if, you know, they brought back Jim, Jim Bob Cooter to run the offense it just made me wonder if Patricia basically walked in as a defensive coach and said to Jim Bob and, and Stafford basically like, hey, you guys got the offense, right? Just keep doing what you've been doing. You know, I don't know what you guys think. Like, are, do you think Jim Bob, his his job is on the line or what? Oh, for sure. I mean, I think everybody's is right now. I mean, I agree with what you said right there. You know, Patricia comes in as the defensive guy. He's going to go with Stafford's you know guru that he's comfortable with. I'm, I'm okay with that, but – what I'm, what I'm not okay with, it looks to me, and I hope I'm dead wrong, but it looks to me like Patricia is in way over his head. You know what I'm not okay with? Uh, that Patricia is fatter than I thought. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> Am I like, was I, that really surprised me. I've seen, I've seen some people say, like, you know, his look, he's got that kind of, that gruff look to him. I said, like, if you're the defensive coordinator, that kind of look is okay. But when you're the head coach, you got to clean it up a little bit. Right. Maybe I'm a dick for saying that, and this could be a pretty cool take in 10 years where I'm that guy. But <laughs> another thing that annoyed me with him, just his appearance, is backwards hat. I mean, this isn't like a stigma. This isn't a senior year trip to Cancun. You know, senior year spring break trip to Cancun. If you guys would give me a sec, I actually have a few uh, of that same kind of joke workshop. Yeah, I've been workshopping a few. So uh, this isn't uh, Matt at Fuck by Ash 2006. Matt and his buddies at, Grand, at a Grand Valley party in his freshman year uh, dorm room. <laughs> this also isn't Matt basically any time. He's always got that for chat on. Uh, this also isn't uh, Ted at one of his breakfast softball games. <laughs> or Ted at Woodstock in 69. <laughs> or Ted after a couple of margaritas at the bar. 
uh, during his business conference in Orlando. <laughs> oh, this is a, it's an NFL football game. It's time to flip the hat around. Matt Stafford included. What do you guys think? I guess that goes with the, you know, as a defensive coordinator, especially, you know, Bill Belichick, he's he's known for his cutoff hoodie and stuff. So, so it maybe worked in New England. But as a head coach, I don't know, like, if there's – some sort of dress code or, you know, some unwritten rules, but you would think that you would want to clean it up a little bit as a head coach. But I don't it it'd also be the type of thing if, if they if they were the team that won forty eight to seventeen, I don't think people would care as much the way he looks. A hundred percent agree with that. I don't care so much about the looks. Yeah, does it look like a NFL head coach? No. I care more about the results and I also care about his demeanor on the sidelines. I mean, it, it, to me, I, th- I thought he was just overwhelmed. And again, it's it's pick on Matt Patricia Day, but you could look at every aspect of that freaking football game, and they'd have to get failing grades on every department: offense, defense, special teams. Everything failed last night. Yeah, even Matt Prater was missing kicks. I mean, right? Yeah. You know, Prater's been almost automatic the last year or two, however long he's been with Detroit, and. And he was missing kicks, too. So you know it's a bad sign when that's happening. And, you know, it just – I remember reading an article early in the summer. I don't know if you guys remember seeing something like this or coming across some headlines that there were headlines saying that Patricia was on the verge of losing his team because players were saying they didn't like the way he was carrying himself at practice. They didn't like the way he was he was running practice or the way he was being too hard on guys. And I don't know what you guys think, but – I mean, they got down. I mean, well, actually, they got up early with that pick six. Right. And quickly, right after that, they got down. And it just looked like they almost quit. Even when they tied the game at 17-17, it still didn't feel like they really were in the game. The defense never really seemed like they were, you know, really engaged or anything. It just seemed like a team that they they didn't really care about playing for their head coach. Yeah. And, you know, when you said about them, or there's reports that they were down on him in training camp, that doesn't bode too well. If you've lost the team already, which time will tell, but it's looking that way, that is not good. Now, have you guys ever heard of a guy named Les Moss? I know I've heard the name. Okay, to fill you in, Les Moss was hired by the Tigers. Sparky Anderson became available about a month into the season. What did the Tigers do? They canned Les Moss. He was gone. He's an afterthought. Matt Patricia... He may be an afterthought if it wasn't the Ford, the Ford family owning that team. I mean, you know, if there's somebody out there that you could go after with a ton of money that could right the ship, do you give Matt Patricia the whole season? He probably will get it. But I'll tell you what, if Nick Saban said, you know what, I want to go back to coaching in the pros. I've had it at Alabama. This is just a hypothetical. You would can Patricia's ass like right now, wouldn't you? I think so. I think I think one thing Patricia has going for him is Bob Quinn. You know, being a former Patriots guy, I feel like that that Patriots you know connection will keep uh, Patricia around at least for this year. I would think. I would think too. But I'm just I'm really upset about that game. I mean, at home, you know, Monday night national television, and to put that putrid of a performance out there, and you know, and again, I'm getting on Patricia. Everyone on that 53-man roster ought to take a look in a mirror today as well. That was pitiful. I, I will say this. I would, not, I would not fire him right now. I love a good theater, and that's what we're getting here from Patricia. <laughs> Might be a train wreck, but you can't take your eyes off. And that's what the Lions are. Because this team wasn't going to win the Super Bowl. Give me something that I love to watch. 
and I will watch them every week if this is what they turn out. Well, it could be between uh, the Lions and uh, Buffalo for the worst team in the NFL, the way it's starting out. Yeah, I mean, we're going to find out quick because they go to San Francisco, and then they play uh, New England, comes to Detroit, and then they go to Dallas, and then Green Bay comes to Detroit. So, <laughs> in these these next four games, we're really going to find out what this team's made of because those are those are no gimmies. I will say this too: uh, you talked about Matt Stafford, obviously the worst game of his career. I mean, he, I think he's going to bounce back from that, but it was it was not pretty to see at all. Yeah, I think anyone who's watched any Lions football or any Matt Stafford anything they they know that's not the quarterback that he is. I don't know. I, I don't know if he just wasn't reading the defense or what was going on, but but he didn't look right. And you know, I I would highly doubt if he plays like that the rest of the season. But but they need to figure something out on offense because if the Jets players knew everything they were going to run, I don't care how good you are, you're, you're not going to be able to beat any teams like that. Well, they might have done the Lions a favor by saying that, right? They at least the Lions now can look at the film, look at what they're doing, and make some adjustments. If the Jets players would have just kept quiet, every team that comes into town probably would have drilled them. But what if he just said, like, this one guy said that, and they're just going to scrap their whole like offense? Like, who knows if this guy is telling the truth or not? That's true. Yeah, and I mean, it might be the type of thing where you just need to change some terminology because that, that's what the guys were saying is that, you know, when Stafford was doing his hand signals to, to call out when they were in hurry-up or audibles and everything, like the players knew what those signals were. So maybe it just comes down to changing some terminology. But, man, you got to wonder if, you know, you had a whole offseason, a whole training camp, a whole preseason to work on some stuff, and in the first game of the season, teams already know what you're going to do on offense. It's not good. Well, apparently that offensive line is not going to protect Stafford very well. Not going to run or not going to run block very well. I mean, they almost to this point have got to you know put Stafford rollouts. They've got to uh, you know scrap the running game, just go with the hurry up offense, and then uh, set up the run with the pass. That's all they can hope for right now, isn't it? Yeah, similar to what the Patriots do. I mean, obviously a completely different situation when you have Tom Brady running that offense, but. But, yeah, I mean, that seems like that's what they do. They more set up, use the pass to set up the run, quick throws, you know, three-step drops, every, you know, stuff that Stafford could do. There's a ton of talent on that offense, the skill players, and they have invested a lot of money into the offensive line. So it, it really sucks to see him not playing well. So, I mean, part of this might come start coming back on Bob Quinn, too, because he's the guy that's built this team, and, and they don't look good at all. Well, back to Jared's point, I mean – is there any reason whatsoever to think this team can knock on a playoff door at all? Uh, I mean, I guess I, I guess the reason would be this is only one game. <laughs> Still a lot of time to go. That's about all you can I, say. Before the season, I uh, took a bet over seven and a half wins. Uh, I, yeah, I regret that one. <laughs> <laughs> but a couple of the questions I think not on the field, but some things in the stands that sort of drove me a little crazy. Like, why do people leave games early? Where are you going? <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't care if it's a blow. You're watching an NFL. You're watching professional players play. Like, where are you going just to go sit in your house and watch Netflix? Like, stay for the game. You need to get home and get ready for work, you know, maybe? Yeah, uh, that's the only reason. But I tend to agree with what you're saying, Jared. But uh, then again, uh, Matt, your employer decided this game's a blowout. We're going to switch it over to ESPN, too. Yeah, that was, that was kind of a shot in the gut. <laughs> when, that was. when you know they don't even keep the the first game on on the prime network, they they move it to E two. That that was kind of a shot in the gut, but it was the right move. No yeah, one wanted to watch the end of that game. No kidding. I want to watch it, even though I love the theater of it. Yeah. Also, another thing I noticed in Lions 
student section, like everyone's got like Hawaiian shirts on. Ted, I actually want to direct this question at you. Fire away, youngster. I saw an old photo of you uh, at a Tigers game wearing like a Hawaiian shirt. What is <laughs> like? What in the world would make someone wear a Hawaiian shirt to a sporting event? Well, at the Tigers game, that was my Magnum PI look. <laughs> it was, wasn't it? Sunglasses, uh, hat, hat, the Tiger hat, the Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, was it Magnum PI night? No, I just threw that in there because that, that's that's the whole uh, mode to wearing a Hawaiian shirt to a Tiger game. <laughs> okay, I dig it. But going uh, going back real quick, I was thinking about what Jared was saying about the fans before the game even already being down on the season. I mean, is there any fan base? I know like the Cleveland Browns fans or just Cleveland in general has have been through a lot. Detroit Lions fans have to be like, there's nothing worse that can happen to Lions fans. I don't think. Then an opening night, everything else that we've been through as Lions fans, to come out on opening night, youngest starting quarterback in the history of the league, Monday night football, and just completely lay an egg like that. Oh, it, it came out of the blue, Matt. I mean, like I've said many times, I have, I have rooted for this team. I have followed this team forever. I have never been kicked in the nuts so early in a season and, and all optimism taken away. You know, I mean, it, it was maybe it's still one day hangover, but I, I've never seen anything like it, and I've seen a lot of bad stuff in that Honolulu and blue and silver. I'll tell you that much. So, I mean, what, what do you guys think then? Like, you, do you think it's a lost season? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do too. I will enjoy it. Like I said, I love some good beer. I will say this though: this Lions in general, we might be the most boring fan base uh, team in the entire NFL. We have like nothing to us. Stadium sucks. Team sucks. Fans really aren't super passionate, I would say. We're not like the Bills Mafia or the Browns. Like, we're not even the worst worst. Like, the Browns have that for them. We have nothing. God, I take, a, I take exception to a couple points there. I think it's an awesome stadium, especially for an indoor stadium. I think when you go to a Lions game, have you ever been to a Lions game? I have been to a Lions game. And you're saying the fans were dead and duds? I, I think we're boring. Oh my! I I thought they're pretty passionate down there myself. Oh, Yesterday, like, you can't go by. Yeah, I would like the Lions. There's the definition of an afterthought. Yeah, you can't go by yesterday with them leaving early. That game was history, man. What's there to watch? Yeah, I think Lions fans. I think they're like on both ends of the spectrum. When things are going well, when the Lions are playing well, when it's Thanksgiving Day, you know, whatever. They're they're rowdy. They're as rowdy as any fans there are. But the minute things start going bad, it's same old Lions. It's here we go again. Let's get the hell out of this stadium. Let's get back on the highway and get home and leave. Because I feel like the Lions games I've been to have been crazy rowdy because I've been to a couple wins. But then, you know, you see games like last night and the Jets fans take over Ford Field. They did, too. You're right about that. (laughs) Did you guys see the Jets fan dancing to Drake? Did anyone else love that as much as I did? I didn't see that, no. I missed it. Oh, wow. Okay, never mind. I'll be honest, I, the, was that in the fourth quarter or when did that happen? Because I kind of started tuning yeah, out after like the fourth quarter. Time, so you might have missed it. Yeah. But, um, you know what could save this franchise? What? Uh, switching back to the Barry Sanders uniforms. The throwback uniforms? The throwbacks. Those need to come back in a major way. I like the throwbacks. I actually liked the blue on blue last night. I, I like that look, but... Yeah, I don't know anything, and I don't know what you guys think. Uh, the, the last couple of years, people have been thrown around. You, you talk about what might save this franchise. Uh, maybe it's time you have a franchise quarterback like Stafford, but it clearly hasn't really worked out. I'm not for this, but people have said maybe it's time to trade him. And just you, you know, a contender would give up. You saw what teams just gave up for Khalil Mack, or what the Bears did. 
you know, teams would give up a lot for Matt Stafford. Do you think it's time to, to kick around trading Stafford for a bunch of picks and just starting a rebuild? I'm a huge Stafford fan, Matt, as you know. I've said it before, and I don't think he's the reason that this team struggles, even though his record, you know, shows different. I do think that if you got the right offer, why not? Yeah, <laughs> man, wow. I, I would be so mad if they did that. But, you know, maybe it, it might be time to start thinking about it. That would be very dumb. Matt Patricia is the problem here. Stafford is not the problem at all. Oh, I know, but 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 you're going to get value for him. That's the only reason I'm saying that. If you got a couple of number one picks, you know, maybe a third one down the road. I mean, this team needs so much. They show me nothing. Nothing. Yeah, the defense is pretty bad. I mean, they still have some solid players on defense. But, I mean, it, it was just watching a rookie quarterback like Darnold, and he might end up being a good quarterback. But look, looking at him just, like, basically do what he wanted to with the defense, it just was like – Who's the 10-year veteran quarterback here? Is it Stafford or is it this kid Darnold? Right. He looked good. And the other thing is, you know, I think the Lions have adequate talent to at least be competitive. I don't think they're going to get blown out like this consistently, but it still is It's a warning signal to me to, to, to open up, you know, on national TV and just get it at home thrown right at you. You know, just pitiful. Yeah, and especially if it's already being talked about players quitting in the locker room. Yeah then you know, even if they go on a nice little two-game win streak or something like that, win a couple games, the minute things start going bad, you know they're just going to start getting down on themselves because, yeah, yeah, you could tell on the field, they just didn't look like they were real real into that game last night. All right, any more comments on the Lions before we move along? I'll just say this. Uh, everything that happened this weekend, it wasn't all bad. It goes down, fellas. <laughs> it goes well, wait, let's get into that here next. I, I want to tell our listeners, though, about Rivals Tap House and Grill. That's the spot to meet up with all your friends, catch your favorite sporting events, all kinds of TVs, all kinds of great food and drink specials. Rivals Tap House and Grill, located on the corner of Shiawassee at M21 in Corona. So the Spartans go to the desert, lose a tough one. I know, Matt, you posted a few things about clock management by Herma Edwards. Uh, and, Jared, you're, you're pretty happy about that game. I was. Uh, I loved Herm Edwards before the game. There's a video of him. Leave it on the grass. Leave <laughs> it on the grass. But I have a question for you, Ted, before we get into the talk. I want to just kind of know what your watching schedule was. Did you end up watching it after the Tigers game, or did you DVR it? No, I, I came home. I was pretty beat. I watched. Well, actually, I didn't get home until uh, the second half. The first half just ended when I got home. And then I watched the third quarter, and then I DVR'd it. Went to sleep, watched it first thing in the morning as soon as I woke up with a cup of coffee. I can't tell you how tempted I was to send uh, Michigan State just lost text to you. I, I really <laughs> did. I really thought about it. You could have. That would have been all right. It would have been good pod material, but I, it would have ruined your morning probably a little bit. Nah, it wouldn't have ruined it as much if it would have been a Michigan game, but... I, I could have rolled with that one, Jared, and I'm also pretty used to people trying to tell me scores when I DVR something. I'm pretty good of not knowing the scores or stopping them from telling me. I wouldn't have looked at my phone. Yeah, that would have been a tough one to stay away from because it was actually like a pretty exciting game down the stretch too. It's not like you know it was not like it was a blowout like the Lions game or anything. But I mean, I, I know I said it. I did not think Michigan State would lose that game. I just really thought they'd be the team to figure out a way to pull it out, but. You know, you got to start wondering. Close game against Utah State at home. Oh yeah. I think Arizona State is is a pretty good team. They're obviously well coached with Herm Edwards. So 
But I don't know, man. I don't know what you guys think, but you got to start wondering if, if this is going to be a, a good Michigan State team or if this is just going to be a 7-5 and five or 8-4 and Matt, four team. Matt, don't fall into the trap. Don't. I, you know where it's going. All I keep saying is Michigan has to beat them this year. I don't care what else they do. <laughs> Michigan State, if you remember back when they lost to Notre Dame, uh, the year that Michigan State won the Rose Bowl, they lost to Notre Dame, I think it was like week four, 17-13, and it was kind of the same sort of thing where we didn't think they were any good, and they just ran the table. and ended up winning the entire Rose Bowl, and I've never been more pissed off at a team than I was that Stanford team that lost that game. Wasn't that the same scenario, too, with a bye coming up right after that? Yeah, exactly. So the Spartans have bye week. They're, they have a chance to regroup and practice and get ready for a game in a couple of weeks. Maybe that'll be the case. So, who, so let me ask you guys this question: Who would you rather be, uh, like, to finish out the season, Michigan State or Michigan? Let me go through their schedule. So, like, Michigan State has Ohio State at home. They're at Penn State, and then they're home versus Michigan. Whereas Michigan is they're home against Wisconsin at MSU, home against Penn State, and then at Ohio State. Which of those two? Which of these two teams would you rather would you take going forward? If I would say, bet your life on who's going to win the Big Ten. Which of those two teams? I mean, just if you're just simply basing it off the schedule, I think Michigan State has the more favorable schedule because Michigan has to go to Northwestern. They have Maryland is coming to the Big House, so Michigan has some tough games. And you know, if you're going just off the schedule, I think Michigan still, Michigan State has a chance to run the table. Yeah, I think I think they do too. But, but you know, the way Michigan's playing right now, and and I also look at. When you go into East Lansing, even though it is the Spartans' stadium, it doesn't quite give you that home advantage. I think it's the same way when the Spartans go to Michigan Stadium, too. What do you guys think about that? Well, yeah, the last three years, the, the visiting team has won that game. So I guess the home field advantage doesn't mean a whole lot right now in the Michigan-Michigan State rivalry. But, you know, I think if, if you look at where the teams are at right now, Michigan's maybe trending a little higher than Michigan State, but but we all know that it doesn't matter how either of the teams are playing when it comes to that game. Both teams are going to get up and put up a fight. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we and we we knew that the game against Arizona State, at least a couple of us knew it was going to be a tough one for Sparty. Um, in that heat, that time change, you know, everything was going Arizona State's way in the from the get go. And to be honest with you, you know, I watched three quarters live and then watched the quarter the next day, but. To watch that team, they're pretty good, and I didn't realize they had perhaps the best receiver in the country. Yeah, I mean, he's probably going to be the first receiver taken in the NFL draft, so he's good, and their quarterback is is can make plays too. So they're they're a talented team, but it's one of those things. Like I, I think the road environment and everything went against Michigan State, but if Michigan State is supposed to be the team that they're they're supposed to be, or everyone's saying they are, that's a game that they should have won, but. You know, it's just I was really surprised to see them not pull that game out. But it comes down to coaching. Herm Edwards, he really handled the end of that game well. Oh, he really did. So people have been saying, obviously, the ton of all the talk after Michigan lost to Notre Dame, the whole 0 and 17 since 2007 on the road versus ranked teams. I started looking up some some Michigan State, some of D'Antonio's records, and seeing some people talk about it. And you know, people are saying Harbaugh should be on the hot seat and saying all this stuff. A lot of Michigan State fans are are ripping him, saying he's overrated, overpaid, all that kind of stuff. And I looked under D'Antonio, Michigan State is only three and seven overall on the road in non-conference games. One of those wins is Western Michigan, one of those wins is Central Michigan, and one is against a three and nine Notre Dame team. So it's not like under D'Antonio, Michigan State is tearing it up on the road in non-conference games. And I know he's done well in the Big Ten, but it's just funny for to me to hear Michigan State fans just rip Harbaugh, say he's overrated, but 
not take a look in the mirror and say, you know, D'Antonio, even though he has, we give him credit, he has won a lot of those games, you know, he hasn't had a ton of success on the road in non-conference games. Uh, yeah, and that's just like, that's kind of what the thing is with Michigan State and Michigan, why Michigan is just the premier program. <laughs> Michigan messes up and loses. It's talked about for the whole week, and everyone gets their shots at us. I took like, I had like five bullet ones from last week. <laughs> but whereas Michigan State loses, then it's like it's a it's not even really news. I mean, you no, got crickets. It's cr- I mean, you got Ted, who's our state fan. He doesn't even care. Nah, he <laughs> wouldn't have cared that they lost if you got the text. You know what I mean? They just, it really is. A, it's a completely different animal. Animal. Well, I, I will give you that. It is a different animal between the fan base. I'm not sure everybody agrees with that, but there is there is definitely a difference between a Michigan fan and a Michigan State fan, especially when, you know, it seems to me that Michigan State fans, and this is a generality, they just are, they're almost happier when Michigan loses a game instead of when State wins a game. Is that fair? It's a kiss well, of death I- when, when you're more worried about your rival losing than you are about your team winning. I mean, it's a kiss of death. You, you should be more worried about your program succeeding than, than your rivalry doing bad. Right. I mean, yeah, true, but I am also, you guys, I've said it before, I'm a state hater more than I'm a Michigan fan. State time Michigan fan, but I just hate state that much that I'm on that end of the spectrum, but for Michigan. So, you, oh, you fall that way for the blue. I got it. Okay. You didn't know that? I feel like I, that, that was very no, I guess I knew that, but I was I was I thought there might be still some hope for you to look at it logically, but I guess not. You're just a state hater. I, I feel like I, I feel like that's something you threw out in like episode one of Three Point. He did. <laughs> that you're more of a state hater than a Michigan it, fan. It's, it might be. It might, it's part. It's who I am as a, as a fan. We might have to put that in our best of for when we're on vacation. It's who <laughs> I right? am as a, uh, a proud Walmart Wolverine. <laughs> oh, my. Well, let's speak of the Wolverines. Can we do that now? Let's go to the Wolverines, yeah. Well, it was nice to see them back at home at the big house getting it done. Patterson looked good. Yeah, they're playing Western Michigan. But uh, they didn't suffer the big hangover from that tough loss to Notre Dame. You know, I know you're not maybe saying it like this, like, yeah, it's Western Michigan. But I almost can't stand it when people say stuff like that, like, oh, whatever, it's Western Michigan, because it can't. it's almost like you can't. Harbaugh can't get it right either way. If he goes in and blows out Western Michigan, ah, it's just Western Michigan. If they let them hang around, or let alone if they lost to Western Michigan, you know what the headlines would be if that happened. So it's like, to me, I don't care who it is. It's Western Michigan. That's the opponent that you're playing. You have to make plays, and that's I, any positive direction for this program after that loss to Notre Dame was a good thing to me. They yeah. were in there. They did what they had to do. Patterson looked good. The defense played well. I'll take that win any day. Um, I, I certainly won't debate you on that, but again, if you look at the schedule, who do you want to play, uh, Western Michigan or uh, uh, or Alabama? I mean, come on. They're not... Oh, they- no, they've got to start doing it against real teams. I'm just saying, like, when people completely discredit a win like that, I know it's not going to be a resume builder or anything like that, but I would much rather see a 49-3 to win than, like, a 20-17 to win or something like that. Well, no doubt about that. But one nice thing, it looked like they got some problems fixed on the offensive line. Uh, Higdon went over 150, so the running game looked good. And as we already said, Patterson looked comfortable. He had some, he had some pro throws. I, uh, yeah, I saw on Twitter he was getting a lot of love for a lot of his throws. But, Matt, I mean, it really was not that big of a win. You're falling victim to the, just the media narrative switching. It, this is how fast it switches just in today's media. We lost to Notre Dame last week. Notre Dame this week was in an absolute dogfight with
action all state this week. Like, we don't even know if Notre Dame was that good. And Western's horrible. I'm just not exactly ready to burn the boats and say that this is a very great, a very big win for Michigan. It, I would, and you didn't say it was a big win, but you did say that it was very good to see. It, it, it was okay to see. It's definitely better than them losing, but I don't know. I'm well, just still very skeptical. Well, they got to keep it rolling. I mean, they got an 0 2 SMU team coming in, uh, an SMU team that lost, I think, North Texas State. So the Wolverines should pound them. Oh, I think I think the last I saw the line was at 36 or something like that for the yeah, SMU yep. game. So yeah, this should be a complete blowout again. And I guess my like my biggest point, my biggest takeaway is any positive vibes in that locker room are a good thing yeah. because if it was like I said, if it was a 20 to 17 game, if Patterson threw two or three interceptions, if Higdon only rushed for like 70 yards, all those negative thoughts would still be going around in that locker room. People would still be writing headlines like Harbaugh's overrated, Shea Patterson's not the answer. All that stuff would still be going on. And you know, those negative thoughts are not good in a locker room. I mean, we just talked about it with the Lions and them maybe quitting on their head coach already. So I don't care that it's Western Michigan. I get it's not a resume builder, but I will take any positive thoughts. I hope they go in and beat the hell out of SMU and keep it rolling to the Big Ten. Yeah, amen, brother. We all hope That's that. A good point. Yeah, I see what you're saying. One thing I wanted to bring up, I really wanted to see your guys' thoughts, because, I mean, we're all Michigan fans our whole lives, played football and, you know, everything. Diehard Michigan football fans. You know, did you guys, I know you must have seen the, it was kind of garbage time, but I don't care, it was awesome, uh, the Dylan McCaffrey touchdown pass to Jacob McMurray. Yeah. Dude, I, I don't know if you guys knew, I mean, I didn't know who the kid was. He's a walk-on. But I was curious. I was like, who is this kid that just caught a touchdown pass for Michigan? I went and looked up. We've, we've talked about high school highlight tapes. He's got a sick high school highlight tape. I mean, he, he went to a school in Ohio. His, his only offers were to Columbia, and he actually accepted an offer, but then he decided to walk on to Michigan. So, I mean, he, it's not like he was very highly recruited, decided to walk on to Michigan, and now he's, I mean, he's a, in the official record books for Michigan. He's got a touchdown catch for the Michigan Wolverines. I don't know about you guys, but, man, I, I love seeing that stuff because that's a, just something like I would have dreamed to have a chance to do something like that. Yeah. yeah. I just saw that uh, someone tweeted out he forgot to keep the ball after his first touchdown catch because he, he wasn't even sure if he was allowed to keep it. So he said he might just grab a random ball and, and keep it as like a, a commemorative uh, souvenir. <laughs> like, does that even count? A few years down the road, nobody will know the difference. Well, it'll be one of those stories that he's telling his grandkids that he caught the game when he touched down against Ohio State or something like that. Right, right. Here's the film. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, if I was somebody in that program, I would just grab a random ball from the the ball rack and just say that this was it. Like, I would lie to him. <laughs> it's a great story. I, I just, I don't even want to know how you fell down. That's one hell of a rabbit hole, Matt. Wow. A walk-out yeah. scored a touchdown to you. That's one heck of a day. That's a quite a research right there. That's, hey man, that's, a it, that's why he's in the business. Yep, that's a three-point podcast difference right there. <laughs> I, I would I, I would say, though, don't get too hung up on a highlight reel because Jared put together a pretty good one, too, and, you know, look what it's done for him. Yeah. His highlight reel, what? That's one of the best ones around. <laughs> what are the tracks that you played? Uh, it was um, Cash and Out. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Black and Yellow. you got to do it uh, with Khalifa. I will say this. I, I, I have watched it, especially after our pod where we talked about highlight tapes. I like that you mixed in some of your guys' like summer seven on seven, some of your highlights from those camps. I, I like that you mixed those in. No, okay. No, those were scrimmage highlights. <laughs> I was going to put everything I could on that. I mean, it's a, once you lose those highlights, I mean, 
Genesis on there forever. Might as well throw it on there. It's like I heard anything. <laughs> pretty cool. Pretty cool. All right, boys, I think enough of football talk for right there. But uh, we'll have Jack Strap coming up here in just a second. But before we get to Jack, I want to tell you about the Crona Connection. That's a direct mail paper sent to all of Crona, Vernon, and Shiawassee County parts of Lennon. You can also pick up a copy of the latest edition at many Crona businesses and Kroger. That's Crona Connection, KronaConnection.com. Fred, Matt, Jerry, how you guys doing tonight? Listen, I'm going to jump right in with my first take coming from the world of tennis. Yes, even Jack Strap, I can comment on women's tennis. And tonight, I have a special treat. I've got several quotes to read in here. I think I'm going to have my wife, who's on the other phone with me. Hi, guys. I'm going to have uh, Jackie uh, help us out here reading some of the parts from the women. That's right, guys. I, I'm i going to take the place of Serena Williams here. All right, Jack, uh, Jackie, here we go. So, uh... On her way to losing the recent Women's U.S. Tennis Championship uh, game to first-time Japanese winner Naomi Osaki, uh, Serena Williams had a major meltdown, guys. And back in the day before political correctness, I would have said something insensitive like she must be on her period. Or, hey, Serena, is it that time of month? But, guys, you know that I'm older and I'm much more sensitive now. The hell I am! So she's getting her butt beat by a better, younger player, and the umpire judge issues a warning to her coach, and most of the experts agree, even her own coach admitted to help her during the match was apparently illegal in tennis. Well, later, she loses an intense volley and slams her racket on the court, breaking it. At this point, she's penalized based on the warning and her little temper tantrum and her racket and her rampage goes into high gear. And so she screams at veteran umpire Carlos Ramos. Okay, Jackie, it's your turn. You're attacking my character. You will never, ever be on a court of mine again. You are a liar. I want apology. That's uh, it's not bad, Jack. You pick it up next time here. Anyway, where well, the next day I read numerous stories suggesting that umpire was racist or a man who hated women. It certainly wasn't her fault, guys. Not at all. And I read all the angry fro- pro-feminist commentaries like Billie Jean King uh, indicating that her tantrum can be blamed on men. Is anyone else out there sick and tired of the lack of accountability in our world today? If you're a white male in 2018, you're a pig. Mainstream media is essentially castrating us right in front of the world. And I, for one, do not appreciate taking the blame for Serena as an old erectile deficient senior citizen white male. All right, maybe I went into too much detail in my personal life there. Sorry. But anyway, Serena, it was your fault. Take a breath with me now and repeat after me. It was my fault for missing shots. It was my fault for missing shots. It was my fault for getting angry when my coach was caught helping me, and it was my fault when I broke my racket. Me, me, me. It was my fault for getting angry when my coach was caught helping me. It was my fault when I broke my racket. Me, me, me. Hey, you're getting better, Jackie. It was my fault for getting angry when my coach was caught helping me. It was my fault. Oh, I already said that. Sorry, guys. Go ahead, Jack. All right. Anyway, the only woman player who 
seems to have a grasp on reality, guys, is Martina Navratilova. Uh, I'm going to need my blood pressure medicine here soon. Anyway, guys, she was quoted as saying, let's see here, what was Jackie, it's your turn. Some common side effects may occur, including abdominal cramping, excessive diarrhea. <laughs> Jackie, give me that thing. What are you, you're reading my medicine. Oh, for goodness sakes, guys, I don't know what's going on here. Eh, forget it, Jackie. Anyway, Martina basically said, look, take accountability. You know, that was the wrong thing to do, the wrong thing to say. Sure, there might have been a little bit of overreaction by the umpire, but let's not lose sight of the fact that you, Serena, were to blame for this, and a lot of that was just by the fact that she was getting beat. So, guys, we need to go back to some good old-fashioned accountability. When I was a kid and I got in trouble at school, I was in deeper trouble when I got home. And when my dad came home from work, I probably got it a lot harsher than I would have at school. Well, today, little Jimmy gets in trouble at school, and first of all, the teacher cannot say anything too harsh because it might hurt Jimmy's little self-esteem, and when Jimmy tells his daddy about his mean teacher, his daddy marches him right back to school demanding an apology. It's ridiculous, I tell you. Anyway, speaking of ridiculous, how about the opening performance by Matt Patricia and his ferocious lions? How much money would I have made, guys, in hindsight, offering an immediate bet on the heels of rookie quarterback Darnell, his pick six? I bet with a plus or minus zero points, I still would have had plenty of takers. And I just think, if, just think about it, guys, if I would have placed the line at, say, Jets plus 30 at that point. Crazy! I know, I know, I know, Jack. It's only the first game of the year. Relax. But that's exactly the point. This is the first game of the year, what appears to be a season of many, many, many more painful games, I'm sure. Look, Michiganders, we take great pride knowing that Ford Motor Company created the automotive assembly line, turning out beautiful new vehicles to feed America's appetite for freedom of travel. Gentlemen, the excitement was in the air the Silverdome and in my own home Monday as Martha Firestone Ford introduced her 2018 model. Will it be a 1950s Cadillac? Hell no! It was a 1975 Ford Pinto. As the crowd roared and as the Ford Pinto was driven out onto the Silverdome midfield, Martha stalled out near the 50-yard line. And when the passenger side door opened, out came empty beer cans and coach Patricia waving his number two engineering pencil and as he turned around I saw an Arby's wrapper clinging to his big rear end on that huge oversized raincoat he wears. Anyway to make matters worse fellas this was a total team effort. The dents on the hood of the car, transmission failure, carburetor choking, black smoke air conditioning was warm and it had four flat tires, one representing each horrible quarter. Anyway, the Ford Lions Pinto was pushed back to the dejected Lions locker room, and by the way, it was the J-E-T-S Jets who pushed the car, because we know the Lions offense could not push anyone off the ball, off the ball, let alone the field. Anyway, 
I have no idea what what was happening, guys, behind closed doors, but my uh, first impression is that this team was the most uninspired, unprepared Lions team that I have seen in quite some time, and I've seen a lot. And apparently the record now reflects that, as it was the largest margin of defeat by a Lions coach in his debut since Marty Earwig's team fell 28-6 to to the Packers in 2001. Opening night, Monday night football, at home, new coach, and they give us that. We deserve better. Hey, guys, take care. Well, great stuff as always from Jack. You know, he's from Chi-Town, and Chi-Town's part of the Corona Public Schools, and they say join their winning team today. Find out why nearly 40% of their students make Corona their school of choice. Whether young or old, it's great to be golden. By the way, guys, you know, we talked a few pods back about the Corona Hall of Fame, right? Corona Sports Hall of Fame. Well, they're going to have a four-person golf scramble October 6th at Dutch Hollow Golf Club in Duran. Any more details you want, get a hold of Corona Schools. As our listeners can tell, my voice is not in its normal form. Uh, I started to lose it Saturday, went to that Tigers game. I'll tell you what, you know, I'm the old guy, but think about this. I'm 12 years old, and the, the 68 Tigers go opening day to the end of the season, win the pennant. They're down three games to one to Bob Gibson and the St. Louis Cardinals. Come back. After being down three games to one, Mickey Lolich wins three games. That same year, Denny McLean wins 31. Al Kaline breaks an arm. You know, Mickey Stanley and Jim Northrup and Hortner in the outfield. Kaline comes back late in the season. The manager's trying to figure out how to get him in the lineup. He moves Mickey Stanley, a center fielder, to play shortstop, and he plays flawless in the World Series, okay? Tigers win the 68 World Series. My team as a kid, and on Saturday... I had a chance to go to the game with my brother John, Jared's dad, uh, Joe, my brother-in-law, my son-in-law, Tom, and uh, my nephew, Ryan. We did it upright, boys. That's why I have no voice. We went down and tailgated in the parking lot right in front of Comerica Park, started drinking at 1.30, ended up over at Chelios, ate dinner there, ended up going into the stadium, had a throwback jersey from 1968 was the was the prize to get into the stands. We're there in, in, in the ballpark about an hour and a half before the game starts. More beers to be had. And all I can tell you is it was a fantastic time. The few pictures I saw looked pretty cool. But So what did they do? Uh, did they do some sort of, I guess, um, ceremony or something like that before the game? Did they honor the players? Or like what, what exactly did they do? No, they did. They did kind of a field of, or not a field of dreams, a natural type of soundtrack uh, where they had, I think, most of the surviving members of the 68 team. There was probably 15 of them. And, and they had them in their Tiger uniform, or at least their jersey, and introduced them, you know, and most of them are in walkers or using a cane or, you know, can't hardly walk. Al Kaline, I could not believe how chipper he was, how fit he is, and, and what good shape he's in. But they had a lot of the, a lot of the guys came back. Lolich was back. McLean. Uh, Horton was there. I mean, it, it was just a great ceremony. And I don't know if you guys remember, you know, nowadays – Different renditions of the national anthem are kind of the norm, right? Where the singers put their own spin on it. Uh-huh. Well, that was unheard of in those days. And Jose Feliciano, Ernie Harwell lined him up to come sing the national anthem at Game 5. 
and he did his own Spanish take on it, a little bit different. It caused so much controversy. It was unbelievable, and he really was the first singer to sing it their own style. Well, they brought him back. He's still alive, still in good form, and he sang the national anthem. So that was kind of neat the way they set that up. That is really cool. So did they, uh, did the current players come out and honor them or do anything like that either? Yeah, and you know, let's face it, the Illiches, it's a pretty good professional family. Would you agree with that? For sure. They uh, yeah. they had, all the old-timers were sitting down uh, along uh, along the infield, and they had their jersey from when they played along with their baseball card kind of enlarged, and they got that to take home with them, something to put in their, you know, their sports den. Well, the, new, the current Tigers came out. As soon as the ceremony was over, all the old-timers sat down in front of their picture frames. The current Tigers came out and gave them a scale version of the World Series trophy that they won. So each player, each old-timer, got a World Series trophy to take home. It was very cool. That is awesome, and that, that's one of those things. I mean, that, that's almost like a once-in-a-lifetime event to be at. I mean, you, you know, you can see pictures or YouTube videos or something like that, but to be there live, that, that's definitely really cool to be there in person, to see those guys, and especially when you have those personal memories. That, that's really cool. Oh, yeah, and let me throw this out at you guys, too. You know, I mean, I actually did get chills watching all this because, I mean, this was, this was my childhood team, my, you know, my wonder years, if you will. If you guys had something like that that you wanted to see for each of you, you know, down the road when you're my age, what would you like to go? What kind of event would you like to go see with what team? There really isn't anything that's of a championship. Like, there's nothing in my life that would be that awesome to me, really. It's tough of you to answer that. I guess maybe, like, the Trey Burke-Michigan team would probably be the number one option. But even that's, like, I don't know. You know, I know you're not a big baseball fan, Jared, but uh, let's say Justin Verlander comes back, you know, 30 years down the road, and you know they they do some sort of celebration for his no hitters. I mean, that would that be would that fit? Uh, is I that mean, a stretch? <laughs> I don't know if it would. I would probably enjoy it a lot, like looking down the road, because it was a great memory to have. But just if I had, like right now, it's hard for me to say that I would really enjoy that. Anytime you go to a game, you're gonna have a great time, but. I don't know if I would get chilled and start crying like you did. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty cool. I, I definitely have that connection with some teams, you know, that I grew up watching. But speaking of Verlander, I mean, he came back. He, he started at Comerica Park Monday night before the uh, before the Monday night football game kicked off. And they did. I don't know if you guys saw video. They did a really cool video tribute for Verlander because that was his first start back in Detroit after being traded. And I don't know if you guys saw this video, but he was warming up. They were going through their stretches. Yeah, he got. And he ended up. They had the camera on him while the video was rolling in the park, and he ended up stopping and watching it. And he got choked up. And he, he you could see that he was very emotional and started crying. So, so I mean that that was a really cool moment to see because I mean Verlander was a huge part of the Tigers for a long time. Yeah, maybe that was part of the curse of the Lions Monday night. Well, how about you? And I mean, do, do you have an event, and, Matt, that, that that you would go to that would that would make you feel ver Clemp? Oh, I, I think without a doubt the two that right when you asked that that stuck out in my head 
were if they ever did a like a legitimate bad boys reunion oh. i remember going i mean that's that's like the first team that i remember watching with my dad and my brother and and uncle and grandpa and stuff like that and and watching those guys and we actually went down to the palace a couple times when they had rallies after the championships and just like introduced the team and everything so if they did something like that did a, a big bad boys reunion that'd be really cool but the one i think that would just really i mean i would i would have to go back and it might happen pretty soon because Chris Weber is finally starting to maybe iron out some of the the bad blood with with Michigan. If they did a legitimate Fab Five reunion at a Michigan basketball game, I, I think I would have to. I don't care what I would do if I would have to like use three sick days or something like that at work. I would have to get back and go to that game. A, a Fab Five reunion because of what that team meant. Because that, I mean, I I just I fell in love with that team as a kid, and uh, because of the stuff because. A little bit of bad stuff that happened, and the separation with Weber, and now they're kind of trying to iron that out. Man, if, if they did a Fab Five reunion, that that would be awesome. Yeah, that'd be that'd be pretty cool. The only drawback that I see with that Fab Five, and I agree with you, the excitement was created and all that that they didn't win. You know. Yeah, that that's a big difference. But I mean, we're just talking about you know a connection to a team, or you growing up watching, similar to what you had with the Tigers. Sure. But obviously, that the '68 Tigers. I mean, they they won the World Series, so they won it all. So that that does make a big difference. I mean, Jared kind of said it in our lifetime. I mean, after after the Bad Boys, and you know, I mean, the, the 2004 Pistons. There's not a whole lot of. I mean, unless you're a big Red Wings fan, but there's not a whole lot of championships uh, for Detroit sports fans. Right. Well, I mean, you know, I loved the, 80, the 68 team because I was 12 years old, but that 84 team was pretty amazing, too. Yep. Now, uh, did they, at the Tigers game, was uh, did they have, like, some sort of uh, Nazi anti-Semite tribute <laughs> to Ty Cobb? Or... <laughs> no, no, they... They had no mention of Ty Cobb, Jared. <laughs> but back to okay. speaking okay. of the speaking of the Tigers game, I will say a couple of other things I wanted to throw out. I don't know if you saw any of the film highlights at all. The home team, the home Tigers, wore the road grays with the, the black Detroit across the front. And I don't know if you had a chance to see it, but those were the actual throwback uniforms from 1968. They were awesome looking. They really were. And the Cardinals wore their classic home whites. That was kind of a neat look to see. Uh, another thing, you guys both have been down in the Detroit area. Do you ever go to Chelly's for for a burger or anything? Oh yeah, yep. Not impressed. Not impressed. No. Not impressed at all. They had three food choices. They had you could get a barbecue sandwich, a burger, or a hot dog. Now, what's up with that? Uh, do something and do it well. That's what I say to that. Well, that's their philosophy, and, and this is another pet peeve I have. Bathroom attendance in a kind of a dive bar like that—that—that's—that's that's quite bold. Yeah, I mean, I get it. You know, you're a big sports bar like that. Maybe you should have a few more options. But I'm definitely on the side with what Jared said. You know, I, sometimes I wonder about when I go into a restaurant and their menu is like seven pages long. I'm like, how can you be good at any of this stuff if you're trying to serve ninety different dishes? So I kind of, I kind of like a restaurant that has you know a good signature three or four things that you can choose from. All right, I'm overruled on that one. It's the Gen X in him. You know, his favorite restaurant is probably like Chili's or Cheesecake Factory or something. With the book menu. No, it's Rivals, of course. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I could I could go for uh, some Chili's, though, crush some of those chips and salsa. No doubt. What are your guys' thoughts on, like, what's your favorite chain, like, sit-down restaurant? Chain sit-down restaurant. Man, I, I do like Chili's. Man, you got me stumped. I, I do like... Uh, Olive Garden's pretty good. 
I like pasta. Okay. I like some Italian food. <laughs> the Outback Steakhouse. Give, give me give me a blooming onion and that bread that they have. I don't know what it is with that bread. It's just incredible. Yeah. And I, every once in a while, I, I, I like a good uh, meal at Red Lobster as well. That's, yeah, they have those biscuits. Oh, man. I like Red Robin. Uh, cause I, they That's have good. good. burgers. The bottomless fries. That's a great pick. Yep, the bottomless fries. Those would probably be the ones I would choose. And any and any I, restaurant that has something bottomless, you know, bottomless chips and salsa, the yeah. uh, breadsticks at Olive Garden, yeah. the bottomless fries at Red Robin, that, that's what I go for. That is, a, yeah, that's smart. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. That's a great take, Matt. Oh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> wow, a compliment from the youngster. <laughs> Did, uh, so we saw the whole Barney and, uh, and Pemba and, like, Rod Allen beef. Oh, if, right. if, if our podcast were to get into a fight, like, who do you think would win out of us? <laughs> a cage match. <laughs> cage match, huh? Us three. We all step into a ring. Oh, my. Opinion, I'm a small guy, but I got some scrap in me. I would say Ted's probably he's the biggest guy. I've got the weight, for sure. <laughs> Jared Quaid, he doesn't have the dad strength yet, so that, that's definitely a thing. I don't know what happens when you have a kid, but you just you just get a lot stronger or something <laughs> when you have a kid. So that dad strength thing, Ted and I have that on our side. That's true. But I, I think I would bow out of that one. I'm too damn old. One of you two guys would kick my ass. <laughs> well, just just make sure we don't take your chair. <laughs> I mean, but Ted's got, he's got a signature move that would probably wipe her. <laughs> oh, you know what I could say? Uh, the belly bounce. I wondered where you were going with that, man. You're out of control. All right, what's this belly bounce? <laughs> He's just saying I got a big fat gut. Oh, okay. All right, all right. <laughs> I, I'm not deny I'm not denying it. I'm gonna try and work on it, but I'm not gonna deny it. Just no, wait, just wait, Jared. You just moved to college. We'll we'll see how if, if you get that well, I guess sophomore fifteen. <laughs> I mean there's no point. I mean I don't blame you. I mean this is your mate you've been married, happily married, I mean. <laughs> I'm going to be the same way. I'll be, the, I'll be right there in the same boat. I'll be right. Yeah, at, at a certain point in your life, uh, certain things get replaced with food, I hate to tell you. <laughs> Why don't we leave it there unless you got any other comments on anything else, especially my fat gut. <laughs> like I said, I feel the and – and it could probably – it will probably go back on me. I'll maybe even very soon, like Matt said, with the sophomore fish. <laughs> but – yeah, I, but I was doing your crops. I mean, I think you beat us in a cage match, basically, where what it all came down. Uh, you're right. You keep it up, we may find out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll have we'll have rivals set up a cage next time we're all back home. There's an idea right there. <laughs> what's it called uh, from old school Kato jelly or what's it called? <laughs> the KY jelly. KY I don't think jelly. I don't think we need to get into that. No. <laughs> <laughs> but mix it up a little bit. We could. All right, boys, that'll do it for now. Share Three Point Podcast with all your friends. Subscribe on Apple iTunes, SoundCloud, or TuneIn. Give us a rating. Fire off a comment on our podcast page. Follow us and comment on Twitter. You can find us at Three Point Pod. Email us at threepointpod at gmail.com. And again, big thanks to Corona Public Schools, Rivals Tap House and Grill, the Corona Connection, and Z92.5 The Castle. This has been a Sportsnet Michigan production. Until next time, thanks for listening to Three Point Podcast.